Hello and welcome back to To Lynn Tales. This is a podcast that brings together many aspects such as folklore, science, culture. Folklore and culture are kind of the same thing, but that's pretty much the gist of it. And I am a shop, which means a minstrel that recites poetry while playing an instrument, and it's an old English word. And today, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Adriana Henry, and she is a chef, an all-around good person. She's a singer. She's an artist of many forms. Yeah. Loves fashion, loves creating random things. Always. Always. Drawing. She's kind of always on something new, for sure. Drawing. That's my favorite. I love drawing. We should just draw. We should just draw. We're always finding new things to do together. And today we're doing podcasting. Yeah. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about kind of a creepy topic, but not creepy to everybody. Um, Death. We're going to talk about death and dying. Our relationship with spirits and burial rituals. The reason we're doing that is because Halloween is coming up. So a little background about Halloween in terms of a Celtic origin because, oh, I forgot to announce, Tallinn is the Welsh word for Celtic harp. So I always have to do Celtic origins of things because I'm 12.5% Irish. Okay. Are you Irish? I'm sure I'm Irish somewhere. We both have the curly hair, so I don't know. I think this is the Mexican hair, actually. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. We're we're a mixed breed. Yeah. At this point. But in terms of the Celtic origins of Halloween, um, it's called Samhain. And Samhain is celebrated on, I think, the first and the second? Something like that. Where basically... The two realms, the other world, which is like the spirit realm, and this world, our reality, are closer than ever on the plane of existence. So what that means is that the spirits walk the earth on this day. On Samhain, which is, you know, ancient Halloween for the Celts, they would dress up and in any kind of disguise it didn't matter especially the kids because obviously they don't want the evil spirits to like take away their kids or anything so they would try to do disguises to make sure that the dead couldn't recognize you know their real identity and leave them alone um they would also leave out treats like on their porch to appease them um and when you think of spirits I also want you to keep in mind that these are like fairies and other creatures like that, right? Okay. So lots of tricks are being played. Lots of little tricks are being played. Um, And they also invented the jack-o'-lantern. So they would carve out turnips and other root vegetables and put faces on them to kind of ward off the evil spirits. And probably just for fun too. Because I like to imagine that ancient people were just kind of like us, like, they had their beliefs and their superstitions, but I'm sure they were just also chilling, like carving pumpkins for fun. I don't think they had any fun. You don't? I swear. No, the Celts, the Celts did. Okay, good. I feel. I hope so. 
I hope so. But part of me just like thinks of all of them as just like just hard workers. Didn't know how to laugh. So like they put it out in like, I'm so serious. (laughs) You think? Wait. I'm imagining when I'm imagining this period of time. Yeah, life was hard for them to like to for them to develop this defense against the spirits like it doesn't seem like it came from a place of like like fun and games even though there's like the pranking i feel like the pranking was more so like like dark dark pranking not like fun and game pranking okay okay fair they probably were a little more rough with each other and there were more dire consequences and they were like death but like death However, I do think it's not only evil spirits. Definitely, like, I mean, if it's all the things in the spirit realm. We're talking about cute little fun terries. Maybe the fun ones are coming out to play. Maybe your dead relative is coming out to play some tricks. What I meant to say, I think the fairies are fun. I think the spirits are fun. I think the people that are putting them out, mom and dad, who are doing the jack-o'-lanterns, I don't see them having fun. I see them, like, taking this as, like, a fearful thing. But is it explained as, like, a celebration? Well, I, I think it's somewhat neutral. I think there are definitely things to fear when it comes to, like when you think of this other world that you can't quite understand um and there are definitely evil forces out there that want to come and swap your child for evil fairy and kill your kid whoa and um that happens you know so they were like they're not trying to get swapped they're not trying to get their baby swapped so while it was serious i think you're actually right like maybe the parents were more like we don't mess around, but the kids were like, Dee-hee. little costume mode. Like, why are we doing this? But why Dee-hee. are we doing this? And, and I feel like kids also are just more connected to the spirit world, anyways, because totally. they were born. They were, they were more on the brink of of the other world. They're closer to that than mm-hmm. adults, right? Totally. So, cool, cool. And then there's Dia de los Muertos, so that is celebrated in a lot of Latin culture um, in Mesoamerica, specifically with, like, the Aztecs and... Ooh, there's another group that I just read. Tell me. I think they started with a... with a T. But basically in Mesoamerica, this is where Dia de los Muertos originated. Um... And it's very similar because turns out Dia de los Muertos is the same day as Samhain, the Celtic Halloween. So somehow all of these ancient cultures were like, this is the day, November 1st, like basically October 31st and November 2nd. Those are the days where, this, where the lining of the two worlds were the thinnest. And they never met each other. There, I just want to know the first story that came out of the town on that day that, like, clearly told the town folk that the spirits, like, were close to the spirit world that day. Like, who was the originator of telling their town, their people, I had this connection with the spirits, or who even knows what they said? But, like, they began that, and they all experienced it at some point in time similarly. 
It's crazy. It's it, it is because like that did happen like in several different places with like every and everyone was on the same page like yeah like I felt that shaman like I felt that druid queen like you're right this I I saw the spirit you know like I think it, that is so fascinating I would love to know whoever first like announced it. That would be incredible. Incredible story. Um, but Dia de los Muertos, they were like, it's disrespectful to mourn the dead. We should be celebrating the dead. So what they'll do is they'll also dress up like with like deathly imagery um, of like skulls and skeletons. And they'll also make like little sugar skulls called um, calaveras and then they'll make and then they have like calacas which are the skeletons so they wear like all these costumes and they'll sing in their dance and they'll have treats um, and they have they lay out the like golden flowers so the dead can find their way around and back into the spirit world so it's very much like we want to acknowledge that you're here we celebrate you, we don't fear you, and we want you to have a good time while you're visiting us. I just visited my friend Maria in Chicago, and she was telling me about how, like, with funerals, they bury the dead, like, they might bury the dead with an object, so they buried, like, her abuela with tequila and holy water because those are the only things that she'll need in the afterlife, (laughs) and those are the only things that she'll need, like, when she's coming back for Dia de los Muertos, because those those are things that she had fun with. God and tequila. I love that. And period. So just like a very beautiful way of looking at the culture. Do you feel uncomfortable because of your leg? No. Okay. But thank you. I actually felt uncomfortable because of my oh, ankle. Oh, I see. But this feels better. It like needed to be stretched. Adriana Ooh. is sitting in... Um, is this lotus? I have no idea. Just my legs are crossed. <laughs> yeah, legs are crossed, but the foot is on top of the thigh, you know? So it's like the, the yogi oh. pose instead of just crisscross applesauce. It's different. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? It, it feels slightly different. Whatever. Don't, this is my seat in position. This is my seat in position. So, my school that I grew up at actually celebrated all of these. They celebrated All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and then also Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, and the Roman Catholics in the 13th century also decided that day was the day for the souls and the saints. It's pretty legit. I had fun celebrating it as a kid. What did you do? Well, my school made it a whole festival. Like, we had two days of celebration. So we always had sugar skulls. We always had face painting. We, I'm sure, had, like, special masses. I went to a Catholic school. Yeah, so I went to a Catholic school. Did I know you were Catholic? Um, I don't know, but I'm confirmed in Christ. I've done all my sacraments. That's, I, and I finessed because I got confirmed in fifth grade. Whoa, I got confirmed in 2019. I got baptized, com- communion, and confirmation on the same night. And it seems fake. And it might be, but it's not. I am truly confirmed. How did that happen? I took a Bible class with 
some people and they like, for like a few months. Yeah. And then that was it. Like I went to public school. Nice. But they were like, you're set. And I got my little dress on. Aww. And it was the midnight mass. Nice. I had Red Bull for the first time. They gave you Red Bull to stay up. That's sweet. In fifth grade. Yeah, how'd you do? You had a great time. It was delicious. I had a great time. I was like St. Catherine because I wanted, I liked the name Kate. Yeah. And she's like a musician, I think. I also love St. Catherine because it was close to my middle name. So I love St. Catherine. Gorgeous. What's what's your confirmation name? Did you not get a confirmation name? A confirmation name? Yeah, isn't that like your your second? No. No. What I just did in 2019 had, they did not have me choose another name. They when you got just confirmed sp- in the Catholic Church? Yeah, they just have my my sponsor. You didn't choose a saint? No. I probably chose a saint when I got my first, com- when I had my first, my second sacrament. Well, I've been, I totally have like a janky like confirmation communion. No, you so. just, it wasn't janky. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure... I mean, I spent, it was like baptized and then I went through the proper school and then it was like first grade, I think we started studying when do you to get communion. Name? Is it for communion that you choose the name? I believe so. I would, I mean, that's so, the last time I had to do any work. Because it was on one day, I felt like it was a confirm, like the ultimate thing was the confirmation. I think it was communion because that's the yeah. first time you accept the body of Christ. So I feel like you okay. need to like have facts. Like Some your little mentor, your saint mentor, something like that. Yeah. So who's your saint mentor? I don't remember what I cho- who I chose. The next year, I ended up being in the hospital, and that was like a wipeout of anything that happened prior. We could talk about that. I was very Near close death? to death. Yes, my lung collapsed in third grade. What was that like? It was like, um, it was like too hard for me to comprehend that like I was just so ignorant I I just assumed I was going to get out even though time just kept going and I kept staying and nothing was like getting better it just felt like I was on this long recovery period rather than like debating you know like if my lungs were gonna refill or not and like how they were gonna bounce back so like do so you I, remember like your childhood like did you think you were gonna die i think at one i remember like i remember just feeling like the importance of it because all of a sudden it was like people were coming and people would cry when they would come into my room and i just felt like once the admirals came to like visit my floor i kind of like got the sense of like Okay, like, why are they bringing, like, people to come see us every day? Like, why am I getting gifts every day? Like, why am I, like, getting these special things, like, that other people aren't getting? And so I think I was just, like, I just, like, looked at other kids and I felt like I knew that they were going to die, but I didn't feel like I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Because they look sicker than I did. It's really interesting that, like giving gifts to somebody dying and giving gifts to the dead is is like a thing when like you'd think it would just be a thing you do when you're living (laughs) and not like just for christmas you know like yeah i mean i got like every i got a new game boy 
like a new game every like every other day it felt like my brother was coming and dropping off a new game for me because i would just sit and play all day i wasn't able to like do much well and it's like it's like you're trying to motivate the person to beat death oh. so they're like it, you get to play this game boy if you feel better yeah, <laughs> you true, know true you said that um your first experience besides that Aww. with witnessing death when you were young yeah, I was probably like six. We have this huge window in my house that looks over our pond and under our window, there's also the view of this like concrete wall that was built to like support flooding not happening in the basement. So like my basement door walks out actually. And then it, you look up and there's this concrete wall built around you on both sides and then there's stairs that lead up to the first floor but then there's like a f little like um where the water will flow into like you know what i'm talking about like a, it's not a vent or it is a vent a drain pipe i drain, think that's yeah. what i mean to say uh -huh. the water vent the drain <laughs> i love that it's the state of matter flows in and out of this thing okay cool so anyways so anyways i'm looking out this window and I see a bunny and you know where this is going. This bunny is getting way too close to the wall. And before I can run outside to save this bunny, the bunny jumps off the top floor of the wall and literally jumps to its death, like splats on the floor. Yeah. Wait, how high, how like far was that? Oh, so it's like probably like 20 feet. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a baby bunny. Oh yeah, it was a baby bunny. It wasn't mama, it was baby who like and I had this is another thing. I had so like at the front of our house we have a like just beautiful piece of green that is on a hill slightly, so bunnies always lay their eggs in it. So I grew up always with bunnies. You say lay their eggs? Sorry. Easter imagery. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Where does so it... yeah, the bunnies are laying their eggs in the The bunnies hills. lay their bunnies in the hills, and so I grew up with bunnies, so like, I literally was obsessed with them. Like, I would literally go visit their holes, I would bring baby carrots to their holes, so like, I had a love for them. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I watch him jump to his death, and I'm sobbing, and I'm sure my dad either was outside, I don't know, I don't remember how I got to them, I just know... That we collected the bunny and I found a really nice square rock outside and with my markers I wrote a nice little message on the rock to the bunny and my dad shoveled the hole up and I don't think we put the bunny in I don't remember if we put the bunny in anything but we put the bunny in the hole buried the bunny put the rock over it and the rock's still there outside at my parents house and it's just like a big old rock no it's like it was like a little bit bigger than the bunny, like this big. You've always kept it there. Yeah. And you just mow around it. Yes. <laughs> That's like. Well, it's under a pine tree, so it's not like we're mowing that close to the pine tree, anyways. But when kids have to learn about death, not when they're like two or three, but like when you're six and you can speak full sentences and you're walking around and you're feeding the baby bunnies carrots mm -hmm. and that makes you excited for Easter and most of the things that you think about do celebrate life 
and and babies and you hold like baby animals and everybody gives you baby things Mm and and talks about how you're gonna grow up and you never really encounter death until whatever that moment is and that's that yeah and splat went baby bunny i think this is i really wish i had a better like timeline of when things started to happen because that just flashed me back to i had i lost my grandpa when i was three Mm -hmm. and i remember being affected at the funeral i was very sad i cried at the funeral when i learned that he died even though i probably didn't know what it meant i just got told that he wasn't going to come back and so or that i wouldn't be able to see him again like something you know my dad told me something that hit me at the funeral and i was crying and within like that point in time when I was three to when the bunny died, I started, you're six. Are you in fourth grade by six? No, you're first grader. Oh okay. my God. In fourth or third grade then. So you're like 10. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we, I have religion class and we start to learn about death and that basically scarred me. Absolutely. Like I did How did they teach you about death in religion class? Oh my gosh. Do you remember? I think. Because it's Catholic. Oh my gosh. It was brutal. Like it just had to have been so straight to the point and like just like, like no like sense of comfort. Like I think it was just straight facts. Like, you know, we die at some point and like you have to live a really holy life for like you to get the best result after you die essentially and that part didn't bother me so much like following the rules of christianity that didn't bother me but it really bothered me that i wasn't going to be immortal really really bothered me like i would like cry to god and like pray to god to like just give me some special gift to let me live forever so i've been freaked out about death since i was 10. i think that's why i wanted that's why I was so quick to be like, I want to be on the podcast. Yeah. Because I've been, I've like literally hated it forever. Well, and I think, I think, you know, when you're a kid and I feel like the 20s, when you're in your 20s, that is when your friends start dying. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, I am not immortal. Like I am prone to decay. Yeah. I'm prone to alcoholism and depression and like all these terrible things that will just cause your decline quickly and will creep up on you maybe even make you want to die um i'm definitely putting a trigger warning on this episode (laughs) i'm so comfortable talking about death (laughs) i forget that everybody's like why is sophia talking about this right now but um yeah so i'll definitely do that but um when you're in your 20s like it's all about looking young and and like showing off your youth and showing off Hmm. your freshness and you're like um fresh to death for has that been forever is that just like now actually well i bet it was it used to be like when you were like 13 and you you know because you get married when you're like 14 so you'd be like look at me i have tiny little boobs and I'm so like fresh off the (laughs) I hate that I hate it so much 
Thank God we have a longer lifespan. Thank God we have a longer lifespan, but God, does it still, like, it's so weird to think about that we not only do that in person, but now we took it to a digital realm. So instead of just our community seeing us and admiring our beauty, we literally have admiration at a global level. Yes, and it's very confusing. It's so weird. Because I'm never gonna look like people across the world. Oh my gosh, like this, like South American women, let's just put them at the top of this conversation right now because I've been seeing um, a lot on Tyla lately. Mm-hmm. She's so beautiful, and I'm just like, wow, I'd love to share a community with you. Who is Tyla? Tyla um, is a vocalist, and she sings the song that goes... Um, it's like, make me wet, make me hotter, make me, mm-hmm. uh, I forget, what, I'm sorry, Tyla. She goes, give me water. <laughs> sorry, Tyla. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's a TikTok trend right now, rumor has it. Well, I'll find her later, but I think it's cool, and I don't know how I got to this point of talking about global beauty, but No, I, just the way that, like, we have this, um... Like, when you're in your 20s, and now that we can view a global array of what beauty can look like, and especially when you find out, I mean, you can easily lie about your age on the internet, but we're very obsessed with aging and beauty, especially when you're a woman, and preserving your youth, plastic surgery, we're afraid of decaying. We think that we're going to be, like, immortal goddesses. Yeah. This is, like, the stage when we are, like, the Greek statue. And we are the... That is... Like, we're never going to go back into being able to do that unless you are Jennifer Aniston for some reason. I hope so. I know, right? I'm, like, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. (laughs) But realistically, if if you live a life where you work... Your body is going to start decaying. Dang. If you go through hardship, your body is going to be impacted by that. And the 20s are when you feel at the top, when you feel like an angel, but you start facing hardship for real, for real. And you realize your parents are getting old. Oh my gosh. Such a hard reality. How do you feel about that? About my parents being old? Yeah. I am very much worried every day right now and concerned about... Not concerned about... I'm very sad right now because I didn't have... I haven't had babies yet. And I'm very worried that I'm not going to have time with my parents. No, I I just think I'm like, I wonder if my parents want to meet their great-grandchildren oh my god, like, I need to start making babies now if I if I ever want my parents to see my great-grandchildren. Like, that's not happening. They might never meet their great-grandchildren. Sorry, mom and dad. I don't think they care. I think they're going to be happy with grandchildren. Totally. And you don't have to have kids to make your parents happy. Um, no. Well, but if it's, you might. You might, yeah. <laughs> your parents might really want that. I really want it though, so I for sure want. But, you know, guess what? If you don't have kids, you can look young forever. So you can always be the forever child. 
because then that literally hot take well then well so hot take you don't have kids you're forever a child and then if you don't okay so we should i would love to talk about how the two different um burials yes okay because then it's like if you don't have children you kind of extinguish the legacy but when you get ashed you extinguish your legacy Uh, so but if you were the only child and you were buried then you would be reborn but then how would that impact like your legacy would go on without knowing that it goes on that you said extinguish that was so good um okay so I have with me this book of symbols by um, published by Tashin, the publishing company, and they just like brought up this entire the archive for research in archetypal symbolism. So it's just a massive book of random nouns and the symbolism behind them. So in the chapter of rituals and sacred systems, we've ashes, the familiar litany of ashes to ashes, dust to dust, forebodes our decomposition and return to origin. Through the agency of fire, flesh, bones, and other matter, turn into the mixture of carbonates and oxides we call ash. Whether flames have licked away a log on the hearth or consumed a human body on a funeral pyre, this colorless, odorless silt is all that remains. On ash, we project finality, irrevocability, what has gone cold after the heat and light of desire, hope, creativity, or generation has been extinguished. Ash is holocaust, the devastation of bombs, the end of love, a gutted structure. Folk customs and religious rites express the symbolism of ash as fertilizer of physical and psychic earth, which fosters the emergence of new matter and gives rise to the phoenix of rebirth. Farmers sprinkle their fields with ashes before planting and blend them with stored grain to prevent rot. So you kind of have like this dichotomy where ashes are kind of like the extinguishing of this life, this creativity, love. You're like forget it that is not going to be put into the earth i'm not going to put you into the earth as like this lasting energy i'm going to extinguish it why do you think people extinguish it i think because they're afraid of picturing their loved ones decaying i think it's like maybe it's just a slower creepier process But then you have this other side where it's saying like farmers and folk rituals will still use it as a fertilizer. And is this not saying that you're extinguishing extinguishing your... Like, is it not saying that if you choose to be ashed that you will not experience rebirth? It's not saying that necessarily, but I think... If you have your loved one's ashes, you have control over what they're going to fertilize. You know, it's interesting because it's like, I talked about fire in the last episode in terms of like Judaism and how fire represents like work and starting things and energy and life. 
and the origin of fire was like that was what got humanity in control of everything right that's how we started being innovative and so if you have fire you have control same with if you have these ashes you have this like godlike control of where to sprinkle the ashes rather than like burying somebody in the earth and letting the earth do with the body what it will well, almost yeah yeah i mean i can understand that i'm would want to i know i'm gonna end up researching more and going down a hole tonight about how how rebirth is different whether you're ashed or buried rebirth is almost inevitable unless you are like cursed right no i don't know well i i picture rebirth in in a very like ecological sense okay so i mean because death is a natural process and you end up in the ground or you end up as ashes sprinkled in the water or whatever like those are nutrients and nutrients create energy which is new life Hmm. so when you go into the ground and all the creepy little microorganisms um, start eating away at your flesh and creating the chemicals and rebirth um, as poop rebirth as poop well I mean the poop is the death right and then but that will give rise to life if you give it to your garden got it it's the same thing with a dead body the dead body is as good as shit and so you put it into the ground it's the toilet oh my god um well okay so then we go to this decomposition chapter this is interesting and in the decomposition chapter oh this was such a creepy way of describing it it says the disgust aroused by decomposition's telltale odor is a way of bringing the imagination into the body especially the lower tracks, the bowels of the earth, and finally the underworld itself. In these depths, the elements commingle. Boundaries blur in an unsettling way. Just picture like stomach like stomach stuff happening. It's all like blending together and mm-hmm. it's disgusting. I'm sorry, it's a Halloween episode, you guys. Get used to it. Opposites find their common ground in human emotion. And in this repulsive mire, they are reborn. So you really have to go through shit to, like, come out of it a new person. Yeah. How many deaths do you think that you can have, like, while you're still alive? I feel like I had a death from divorce. I felt like that was a life that I extinguished. I mean, I literally could have had kids with that man. You literally could have, like, a lot of futures. You don't have to be married. It could be a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be a person on the street where you're like, that's kind of like a possibility. And if you pursue that, and then you extinguish that, you killed a possible life force. That's not bad, though. Oh, it's just cool to think... Yeah, might we've already kind of died a few times already. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so it makes me feel like better. What what did were we just reading about that they like go through it. They take some type of enhancer and they experience themselves. Oh, yeah, well, so basically it says 
<clears throat> this is still what with decompositions. Yeah, so depth psychologists talk about um, how the mo- they're the modern heirs of alchemy, according to... I'm still reading from the Book of Symbols. Um, equate They equate putrefaction with the waning of an artist's create, creative power or with clinical depression. Um, in psychotherapy, it is the projection of psychic contents onto the outer world that dies, and the glass beaker, a metaphor for the therapeutic relationship, serves as a container for taking one's conflicts inside, whereupon after a listless period that follows the loss of such an emotional investment, black depression transforms into renewal. So shamanic candidates in circumpolar Siberia and Canada undergo this comparable process in which terrifying initiatory visions, their ears eyes and tongues and their internal organs and bones are stripped away in the beaks and claws of fierce spirits i read that strangely but basically beaks and claws of these fierce spirits are ripping their bodies apart and then what happens after they undergo this torture they are dismembered and then they're giving an extraordinary new body with parts of eyes of clairvoyant crystals and bones capable of flight. So you are like a transcendent angel being if you go through it. You can rise above. You can take the high road. Because you have this almost like newfound empathy. Mm. That's what it sounds like. Death isn't so bad, guys. <laughs> I mean... I don't want to die anytime soon. I think my final death, I view the final death not as bad, but as something I hope is so far away from me. Right? Like, because if we have all of these partial deaths throughout, which are good because they're making us a clearer person, a better person, a person more capable of accepting what's going to happen when it's the final death, then it's all good. But, oh my gosh, do I hope the final death is so far away? Okay, so when I was with my friend Maria, okay. I was like, in my podcast, I want to talk about maybe asking Adriana, like, what object would you bring with you to the grave? But then I was like, that might be a really scary question because I feel like it almost curses me to, like, if I say what object I want to the grave, I'm going to die soon. And now everybody knows, and that's good, but I feel like I'm cursing myself. But she was like, Sophia, I wrote my will I know exactly what I'm bringing to the grave. Like, I'm also going to do, like, I think she said tequila and holy water, too. She's like, I have it all laid out. I want to die like this, you know. I think I want to die with some type of, like, musical device that can play a certain playlist, like, all the time. Like, I'd love to die with music. Oh, my God. The girls I was with last night, they were like, I want to die with, like, a record. Or something. Nice. Yes, my my new friend, Maddie. Oh. She's like, I want to die with a record. And if your like, loved ones like ever play that music, it's kind of like a summoning. Ooh, I didn't even think about it that way. I thought about just like in the darkness being able to, well, in the light, actually. I think of death 
most like commonly now when it's at night and I'm laying in bed and I feel completely alone in my bed and my eyes are closed when I'm talking in that moment like I hope that's what like sending myself to death will be like it's just like peaceful I'm singing this one song basically and like I'm just okay so they say that the last sense before you die is hearing well so like when you do music like people that do music therapy for dying people like that is the last thing they're hearing before they're dying and if you're in a coma you're still able to process auditory signals it's very interesting like this connection of sound something that can really resonate through the earth Mm -hmm. cause like invisible change and rise emotions and rise spirits profound man (laughs) we look like a couple of bros by the way we look like we're about to go like watch some football (laughs) we're both dressed in uh, we're both dressed in (laughs) both adidas (laughs) we're both adidas um my whole life i said adidas adidas and um then my boyfriend says adidas and i'm like what and what do you say adidas adidas and that is how soccer players say it correctly, because Adriana's a soccer player, and so was Tony. So you're saying it correctly, Adidas. For those of you who don't know, get it right. Get it right. But anyways, I think it's beautiful that you want to be buried with like music. Mm-hmm. How about you? I have not decided yet. Okay. I'm a very indecisive person, but I, I'm taking all the suggestions to heart. Truly. You're going to be like, I mean, I'm going to have a list of probably 12 things. Like, so. (laughs) You think I am too? Yeah. (laughs) Like Like a very maximal. (laughs) That's my Christmas list. It's extremely (laughs) maximal. So I'm like, well, you know, I have to put something on there for everybody. It's almost like a Christmas wish list is basically like your dying wish list. Kind of. I wish I could assign it to people and just send it straight out, straight away to them. This is exactly what I want. And I've chosen you to gift it to me. I think that's a great idea. No, I think it's like, if you do write a will, like, addressing somebody. Oh my god, like, imagine being dead and you have addressed people specifically to carry out a task. I love that. I will do that. I'm gonna do that too. 13 reasons why definitely, like sparked my desire to write wills to people wow hers was obviously like we already know it's a much different story but oh my god did you like that show i watched only the first season and i don't know if i even made it through the first season because it was way too i'm way too emotional of a person to watch a show like that okay can you explain what 13 reasons why is as best as i can remember it was This girl writes 13 letters, video records them to the people that impacted her suicide, and then she releases it to the public. Actually, she releases it to one guy, I'm pretty sure, like in a box, and then like he begins to watch it and maybe release it. That's right. Yeah, and so, and I believe like it starts out with like he gets like the first one and then the second one and the third one, and like he starts exposing those people and then I feel like he was like the 13th person. It was wild. 
nonetheless. But no. yeah, she she writes direct direct letters mm. and like emphasizes their impact on her death, which is crazy. It's insane to do that because I think that is how you become a ghost. Yeah. And when you write a specific like you tell somebody before you die specifically what they did to impact your death or your life before you died in any way it could be good it could be horrible you will live in their minds you will haunt them forever yeah unless you can pray the ghost away somehow but oh my gosh i can imagine that's so hard you said lives rent-free in your mind, and that's right. so true. Like, imagine telling some something to somebody, like, right before you died. Like, like life-altering. That's, that's the fear of, like, why you have to say love you before you hang up the phone. Yeah. I'm huge on that yeah. theory. Me too. And I'm, like, so superstitious. Yeah. It's dumb. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I think we are very same, similar mentally. <laughs> so the spirit lives on. Not everybody in Japan does this, but um, like an ancient way of thinking is that everything has a spirit, even like inam- inanimate objects, right? So everything carries a spirit and some kind of energy. And that means that you need to treat everything with, with respect. You need to treat all of your items with respect, every person, every plant, every animal with respect because it has like a vital life energy. And because you also have this life energy, it comes from a place of empathy. So it's interesting to me because I've always had a hard time feeling like an object, like a table, would have energy to it. But when I think about it in that sense, like when people make things, with their hands, it feels like that energy is transduced, transduced, transmitted, transfused. Yeah, maybe transfused. Transfused sounds. We're not electrical yeah. engineers, but we can try. Fusing our energies together. We can do that. Yeah. I think about it in the way um, there was a Mickey Mouse movie. He's wearing a wizard hat. I believe it's called Fantasia. And there's a very large scene in it where all of the, like, the harp would be lifted right now. This chair that we're sitting on would be lifted and, like, everything <laughs> yeah. dances. That's right. Yeah. And that's, like, such a great representation of the fact that everything has life and that we should respect the I life. I loved that imagery. I love how it can come through, though, because, like, with some things, like, when spirits come to visit us, all of a sudden the light turns on or things flicker, like, things that they can... Okay, it's not transfused, but things that they can like enter into and manipulate in and order to create they, their own energy from it. I mean, and, and floating, like ghosts float, yes. you know, you pictured all of these objects just like getting up and like floating and dancing around, like having literally like space and time doesn't exist. Like it's able to just like exist in space. Like, like there is no ground and there is no, like, it is like a very, like, when you die, there is like this part that you're not connected to the earth anymore. So you are lifted up as a ghost and you don't touch your, the ground, your float. 
and yeah like lights flickering it's always like the way that energy is transferred and that is a very like spooky thing i mean how many times have you been like freaked out to go in a basement or like something like flickers at you i'm not cool with that i'm really not cool with that or my friend oh my god i keep bringing this up we had so many good conversations because i think it's just like this time definitely brings out these conversations Mm -hmm. and it's just what it is 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 things are dying outside so your brain is just gonna kind of go to the weird realm of death but anyways she was talking about basement and how in this basement the light is far away from like the entrance of the basement and it's really dark so you have to walk through the dark to get to the light switch who would set it up that way (laughs) why would they do that (gasps) oh my god i'd rather close my eyes than force myself to look for ghosts and demons just go downstairs tomorrow it's not that important right i'm not doing this at night i'm just not doing it at night i have gosh just been dealing with like a basement fear for such a long time in this new place that i'm living in there's been an alarm going off in my basement at 4 a.m the past two weeks the first time it went off i was so fearful like i woke up i had to go downstairs in that basement at 4 a.m like no way i'm not cool with that it happens the next day equally as fearful day three i am down there at 4 a.m just like whatever like, if it's coming for me, it's coming for me. Yeah. And I'm walking through here to that alarm and turning you off. And I'm, like, way past it now. I have no fear of the basement anymore. What is the I also don't think I'm afraid of spirits. A sump pump. So yeah. you're not afraid of spirits anymore? No. Not at all. What about haunted houses? My house is definitely haunted, and it no longer bothers me. <laughs> Oh, haunted houses, like, growing up? No, I mean, yeah, let's get into it, but you think your house is haunted? Totally. So, haunted houses are a really good metaphor for your psyche. Oh. Um, (laughs) What are you going to say? Well, when you talk about haunted houses, you talk about your own self being haunted. Sure. I mean, obviously, like, a house is your body. Absolutely. A house is a body. A house is a mind. So, when you reach into the basement... (laughs) You go down into the depths of your psyche to the things that you do not want to confront, to the things that you cannot possibly face. You're going to face your demons in the basement. Yeah. And so it's wonderful that you're not afraid anymore. Yeah, because I face my demons. I mean, that's serious. Like, you have gained your wings. Like, the demons don't bother you anymore. You are holy. Yeah. But what about your childhood experience in the house? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I took a monstrous class two. in college. <laughs> I have two good stories. One, I started hosting. I mean, I'm, I love hosting a party. And so in seventh grade, I'm pretty sure I hosted my first party. And it was yes. a Halloween party at my parents' house. We are the same. We love hosting parties. So good. We hosted this party. And I also, my friend's mom signed up to be a werewolf. And I made a haunted trail throughout the trails at my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And so she went through, and I sent all my seventh grade friends through this haunted trail. The boys went together, and the girls went together through the haunted trail. And I just wanted to tell that story, honestly. Like, I'm a great party planner. Wait, I have have questions, but I I have to pee. Okay. Um, Okay, so we're back. Hi. And we have a spread. We have a spread, to say the least. (laughs) So what we have is... 
two martini glasses, but we're gonna put the olive oil martini made with grazza, extra virgin olive oil from Ora Bora Dry Guys. Um, so it's non-alcoholic, but it's kind of like that time of night. So we're adding Tito's and making it real. Yeah. Why don't Chef take it away? So what I'm making up here is um, a little bit of olive juice over a nice spear of ice that Sophia had ready. And... I was gonna pour that, but my decision. I'm a licensed bartender in Wisconsin. So Sophia's gonna go ahead and give us an ounce, or actually, the big one. <laughs> you should do the big so one. So we will be drinking the big one. And what is that? We have the same. I love that. I know where Sophia's kit is from because where we actually met is where she also got this kit. Yes, look at that. I'm tapping her off. <laughs> I haven't smelled Tito's in a minute. But anyways, I'm topping it off with this. And like what I had hoped when I originally got this was that I wouldn't have to add anything into it. Um, I was hoping it would substitute my dirty martini. And did it? No. Why? Because it doesn't have the olive juice on its own. Oh, right. Sip it on its own. Okay. This is Sophia's first time. I like this drink, by the way. I'm going to get more. I like it. Yeah. Right? It's oh, good. yeah. No, I mean, it's great. It's like a LaCroix. Yep. But it's a little bit, it's kind of like a lime LaCroix. Mm -hmm. But you get like the olive hint. Yeah. So if you don't like olive, this is a good way to like microdose olive flavor. And olive is so good for you guys. It has so many health benefits. I love olives. I'm putting an olive in my martini. She's putting an olive in hers. And can you please explain this little spread of food? So this little spread of food was inspired by fishwives. And I'm gonna, can I have an olive as well? Yes. Okay, I thank just you. Like this I spoon. did see you, but that's okay. I'm gonna accept it. So fishwife put out this pizza and it was like pesto and whipped ricotta and sardines and we didn't bring sardines out. Do you, you want to? Do you want to? Protein. Protein? We're Break. Gonna get the, yeah. Let me get the Um, We're back. So she got the <laughs> sardines. I got the sardines and I chose the sardines. All of them were in extra virgin olive oil, but this one has lemon and smoke. <gasps> Sophia loves lemon. So. And I love smoke. Wow. Like I love <laughs> weird Whoa. thing about me, but I love bitter things. And I love when I burn my bread. I like burnt marshmallows. I like burnt bread. I like the taste of charcoal. I like the taste of ashes and death. Because I'm a phoenix. Okay. So dramatic. We're chilling out. She's so dramatic. <laughs> this is by Bella. Bella Sardines. Nice job. Let's do it, Bella. Okay, here we go. Come on. Easy open. Bella. Easy. I'm so scared for these martinis being popped with sardine oil. They're beautiful sardines. Um, we like sardines. Sardines are good for you. Pugs. Don't sleep on canned fish. Don't sleep on canned fish. I don't care if you call me a cat. I like canned fish. Yeah. Go watch a video where your fish are coming from. Seriously. Um, so they're really beautiful. They look like golden, like 
Huh? They look like they um, look like golden scaled sardines. What do you call like the golden flaky stuff? Gold flakes. Just gold. It looks like gold gold flakes. flakes. This is nature's gold. (laughs) Olive oil is also like what they call nature's gold, right? The drink isn't that good. I'm gonna just say it right away. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. I tried it when you were gone, and I loved it. I was like, "Ah." it tastes like straight up olive. Oh my gosh! Like I don't taste the vodka, but maybe it's at the bottom. No, like I'm tasting it. I love these flavors, but like I don't love this drink. What's going on? I think you just need to drink more. Oh no, it's this not a fly in our death podcast. It's like a lime. I don't like a lime martini. See, it does taste like lime Lacroix. It's giving lime Lacroix. I'm sorry, I ever said that. Maybe I. She cursed it. So I'm spreading a little bit of the pesto ricotta. Did you describe this? Okay, describe these. I put pesto in a bowl, and I put ricotta in a bowl, and I swished it up with a spoon. Yes, chef. And now I'm spooning it out onto my piece of bread, my flaky bread. Okay, and one of the best parts about sardines for me, Hmm. because I'm Scandinavian, is the fish oil. Like, the olive oil-infused fish taste. I really like that. Well, I, like, knew this meal was going to be such a hit with Sophia. Anyone else, I feel like, would just eat it. They'd be like, sure, I'll eat that. But I was like, Sophia's actually going to, like, enjoy this meal. Wow, that was a Mm. piece of fish, dude. Mm. It's smelly. Also, like, imagining, like, rolling up to your friend's house and, like, bringing something like this should be normal. (laughs) Um, I agree. And, like, this is why I love you so much. (laughs) I can't believe you exist sometimes <laughs> the way you said this is such a sophia meal only only a true only a real one would know that about me thank you for enjoying this flavor with me like you like this too right mm-hmm. we like really strange flavors because we're mature women i liked this when i was a child though me too would you like the taste of alcohol as a child? No. Hmm. I wasn't like getting any. I mean, I was drinking in eighth grade, and I was like doing illegal things. I drank in eighth grade too. You like the taste of it? No, mine was like my friend. I'm pretty sure she like gave us some gin or something like that, just straight. Oh, that's wrong. Or like brandy or so. something crazy. I'm about to out myself to my parents, but the first time I really got drunk was my freshman year of high school with my friend, mm-hmm. and she was like, I just broke up with my boyfriend. You said your dad had some gin or something, like, in the basement. We should try it. And I was like, I'm so ready to try it. Oh my gosh. So, for the night, I took... I went to go sleep over and I walked, we were in the same neighborhood, so I walked over to her house and I took, it was like pine needle gin. So it was atrocious. Like I thought I was going to like this because I like the forest. No. Um, no. So I bring this over to her house. We smell it. We're like, oh 
my god. <laughs> like, that is what an old man drinks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even think my dad drank it because it was pretty full. And, um, we ended up mixing it with other liquor because we were like, this is what people do to, like, make their alcohol taste better is, like, mixed drinks, right? So we mix all of the liquor together. We basically do, like, a nightmare Long Island. Oh, my gosh. And put Coke in it. (laughs) It was literally, like, the most disgusting Long Island. And you sipped on it all night and did what? We just, we just, we were just like, gulp, 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 gulp. And we're like, I don't think I can do any more. Like, that was disgusting. And we both basically just, um, we just like rolled around in her basement and laughed. And it was like two young witches up to weird shit. It was disgusting. Basically how my first experience went too. Yeah. Disgusting. Just, just really two gross. witches rolling around laughing, listening mm-hmm. to The weekend, being freaks. Because The weekend, like, I can't feel my face when I'm with you, Song. Wait, no, was that no, The weekend? This was, that, that is The weekend, but that's like that's like six years later. This was like when The fir- the weekend was doing like House of House of Balloons, like when before you knew what he even looked like, like when he was underground still. Very sexual, like I was not that cool. Yeah, we were that cool. I know. I was. That I cool. know that you were that cool. No, 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 no. I was not. I and was... I wouldn't say that cool is the right word. I was that like perverse, like as a seventh grader who grew up with brothers who were ten years my elder and who so were, were very cool. My brothers were very cool, so I naturally got there very cool. See, I was always jealous of younger siblings because I was like. You had the way paved for you. Yeah. And me, I'm just out here existing, trying to figure it all out. No, I got to high school and I was cool. Like, the teachers knew I was cool. And they also knew I was a problem. (laughs) I got to school and the teachers, like, most of my teachers liked me. Yeah. And I was very unproblematic. And it's not like I could have, like, disappeared, but... (laughs) I did my work, and I I raised my hand, and I asked a lot of questions, but I would say a lot of random things that would make people be like, is she stupid or is she smart, you know? You know who I would say if I were to refer you to a Harry Potter character? Not Luna Lovegood. But of course. (laughs) I thought the other day, I was like, well, Sophia, I was like, well, Sophia and I are both a mix of Hermione and Luna Lovegood. Yes. So Because I'm like, I can't fully identify with Luna Lovegood. No. Like, she's a little bit. I almost find myself identifying with Luna Lovegood more than I do with Hermione. Yes. Because I'm like, well, I've seen death. Like, now that I've gotten my angels. I was like, I see dead people. Like, as a kid, I was like, I smell dead people. I see dead people. I feel dead people bro when did you start saying that to your parents i didn't like say it well we went to scotland when i was in fifth grade and we did like a vaults tour so the vaults are like the underground tunnels beneath edinburgh which is looks like edinburgh but the correct way to say it is edinburgh and that's where like think of scotland at the time of bloody mary so bloody mary originated from this Edinburgh place, okay. Edinburgh Castle. Okay. And she's the one where, you know, you do the mirror thing with Bloody Mary. Yeah, I tried that a she, bunch. Because she decided to just behead everybody that crossed her. Hmm. So she hated everything and just killed everybody who 
got in her way. So these vaults are like when like medieval people would just like do shit underground, like torture people, like so we went under these vaults and they, like we went into like these different rooms and it was a haunted vaults tour, right? And I was like, I believe in ghosts as for the greater. And I was like kind of feeling woozy. I was v- always very sensitive to my environment. And I started getting like a massive headache and stomach ache. And they were like, oh, so this room, there was said to be a doctor who performed like illegal brain surgeries on victims, basically. And I was like, mom, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and she was like, okay, 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 okay. And um, that's always how I was, but. Have you ever seen any ghosts? I am certain I've seen ghosts before. Describe. Um, Oh, we have to talk about um, your haunted house, too. I was just about to tell you about my haunted house. How about we do that first? Mm. I didn't feel anything besides, like, I basically just passed out from the strobe lights. (laughs) Like, when I really think about it, like, I'm Wait, at your house? No. Oh, so that party went as is. I actually, um, the mom that did help, she actually ended up getting punched in the face by a boy who was scared when she jumped out at him. Yeah. I I can't do haunted houses. I was telling my roommate that I can't. Like, I try really hard, and I've paid for, like, several haunted houses, and not, I can't do it, because I don't trust people. I don't trust people. Because I think someone's gonna take a chainsaw for real! That's what happened. That's basically what happened the last time I went, and I just, not actually what happened, but the fear of that Mm -hmm. drove me to be so fearful throughout walking through, that when we finally got into the this room oh my gosh so it was like you walked say we like just turned the corner and now we're walking straight and there's like a um a big cage that's like the size of this room and it's a chain link caged why did me and my friend walk into that caged room i don't know but then dude with the chainsaw came in right after us and we were in the chain room together and the strobe light was going off and i fainted just like that fainted done so I would have been dead because I was not able to defend myself. But I'd rather faint and die. <laughs> I would rather fight. Now I'm like so trained to go because... You're like ready to fight? Yeah. No, I'd I rather how... be out so I could not experience a death like that. I would fight to the end. I like literally the other day thought about getting shot in my bathroom and how my adrenaline I hope would be so high that even though I got shot, I'd be able to fight back quick enough. That is the other side of me where I'm like... Well, it kind of depends. Like, if I'm in a terrifying, like, inescapable <laughs> situation with strobe lights and a chainsaw man, this... I would want to faint. But <laughs> if I get shot or, like, somebody's coming at me with, like, a sword. Yeah. The sword, sword is crazy. <laughs> the sword is crazy. I would like to think that I can get sliced a little bit or shot. Oh, gosh. And I yeah. will be able to... Because I'm kind of a monster. Yeah. I'm kind of a little goblin demon. For sure. And I'm, like, no. ready to put on, like, literal, like, goblin mode where I, like, get on all fours after they shoot me and I go rabid on them. They might shoot me again, but I think I'd be <laughs> She's good She's for sure shot again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or how do you avoid, like, them shooting you again? You get to them before they can pull the trigger the second time. Goblin mode will propel me in their direction. Goblin mode is a great like fitness program name and I definitely want to take that. You can take that on just know it came from this podcast. 
goblin mode. Yeah. And I've always been on goblin mode my whole life. Do you listen to Tyler's goblin album? And there's the song Goblin's Intro. It's the most like what you're talking about feeling ever. It's on my playlist for Ivy mode. I will be doing that after this podcast immediately. Yeah, you're going to love it. I'm going to need that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, death, though. Yeah, death, though, for real. <laughs> what we would do. Death makes me think about more life, which I, is, like, a positive. Yes. Well, that's the thing, is that they're inseparable. You wanna and that's, that's what, um, like, all these ancient cultures really wanted to emulate to their children to their community was that death and life you can't have one without the other i mean it's and when you die it fertilizes the earth Mm. it will bring back your energy which is like your soul and give it back to the thing that created you and whether you think that is god up in the sky or you think that is earth or maybe it's a combination of both because the sun kind of fertilizes the earth right mm-hmm. it's really interesting i think sex and death are actually like very inseparable topics oh, totally yeah especially if like to go into a niche about sex and death the repercussions that you can get in the afterlife if you are having like sexual immorality in christianity yeah I'm sure within other religions, though, as well. But maybe not. Like, I guess I would have to know about what... It seems um, very Abrahamic. Abrahamic? As in, like, Islam, Judaism, and, and like, Judeo-Christian beliefs. So, like, everything with one God that kind of originated from where Jesus was born, mm-hmm. which is Palestine, would be Abrahamic. Abrahamic. And that's like a one God, there is a true Messiah. A lot of these things came from the same place. Wow. Yeah, so, and a lot of these things for some reason also have the same ideas about sexuality and immorality. But, yeah, you know, with life, with creating life, you can also, you can also cause death. And in that sense, we are mini-gods. What do you mean by that? Well... Especially if, I mean, you kind of do need two parts to create. Well, no, yeah, I, I think it is two parts in essence to create a life. Um, so you don't need a penis and vagina. You could need a syringe in penis form and a yonic dish or cup, which is always a vaginal symbol, which is what yonic means. So you have phallic, which is penis imagery, and yonic, which is vagina imagery. And... That's what the earth always ends up being is the earth is like the, the fertile being mm. and the sun is the thing that impregnates the earth. Mm. And that is how plants, that is how life forms. And so if you have those two parts, you can create life. And I don't think life necessarily means like actual like biological things. I think it can also be an art, a pencil and paper, a song. It can be music. Music is kind of like that spiritual energy, though. Music is like you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Music mm-hmm. is like the Holy Spirit. Truly. You know? Yes. Yeah. I love that analogy. Cool. 
I'm looking at this book and I don't even know what it's about, but I know Kurt Vonnegut is like this guy who wrote so many stories in his lifetime. And this one that I got gifted was called Fate's Worth Worse Than Death. And I brought it over to you because I felt like I was going to be able to just like open to a page and like read an excerpt and like it would just be, I don't know, something so like profound that we would be able to talk about it. But I ended up getting stuck on the literal first page of writing that wasn't about publications. And it was just about the way that he directed the book that I just had never read anyone direct a book like this. So he writes, all persons living and dead are purely coincidental and should not be construed. No names have been changed to protect the innocent since God Almighty protects the innocent as a matter of heavenly routine. This book was put out in 1991. It's just like an interesting perspective of the fact that like nowadays everyone like in songs they're always like well I changed the name of the woman like I'm telling our story but I put a different name to it and you're still telling the story of the person you're still putting the energy out and like I don't know it's just like faulty and fake and this was the first book that I feel like I read that they were just like no we just told it exactly how it is because why wouldn't we do that what What do you mean by it we told it exactly how it is the story okay like we told the story of um like we told the story just as clearly as we could like we didn't hide anyone for any specific reason other than to just like tell the story as is and i feel like now anytime you read like an intro to a book it's always like the names have been changed to protect protect the life of the person It just, I don't know, I'm like trying to understand why in a 10 year period it feels like we went from like not feeling like we had to protect people by just telling a story. Like we didn't have to protect their names. We just told the story like because the story happened. Like there's nothing we can do about it now. I love that. I don't even necessarily think like, I, I feel like this is what gave rise to a cancel culture. And well, just like internet really made privacy a thing. Like, so when you, like, are telling a story, it's not like I can go look up who Mary is in your story in relation to you on Facebook or, Oh my gosh, but now you can. LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I can look up everybody who you're talking about and then I can also go bother them and put them on blast. So that's the whole thing, which sucks because... You cannot be authentic anymore, and then people have to lie about their lived experiences. Truth. Literally, death to authenticity, death yes. to truth. Death to truth, death to authenticity. Because of the internet? Uh-huh. And it's like, that is what makes... That is how we find... <clears throat> I love how you said death to truth, for real. That is how truth-finding works, is you have to know what really happened to get to how we're going to live a life that is worthy of praise in whatever sense that you feel like praise is. But, like, do you feel like changing a name changes a story? Yeah, because that name... Well, I don't think it changes the story. I just think it makes it a story without any depth. Because by changing the name, 
then there's not like who that person was. So like if you're telling the story of Adriana, but you're referring to it as Sophia, there's not like the depth of who Adriana was within that story. Like you're just like assigning a name to a person. So if you were able to like break down the story totally, then I would say that it impacts it. But just on like a novel, like a fake story that you're writing, no, it doesn't have any impact on it. I mean, but it almost kind of does too, because if no, you break, I totally agree. You break down the origin of the name. You like think about who the person mm-hmm. is and because like why they have name? that as percep. Why is there, pre- I don't know, perception and everything? Yes, isn't a name. Exactly, and everything. Yeah. Like a name means so much, and that is why I think women taking a different last name is a form of erasing women from history and not giving women an actual voice and an actual truth. I think whatever, you can take your husband's totally name and claim a whole that. life, but it is it is marriage is death. Oh my gosh, I wow, I would go off on this subject. Marriage right now. is death yeah. to your womanhood, to your life because you are going to give life to a new people and your life no longer matters. Oh. It is all about who comes next. Oh. And your whole backstory has been erased. Yeah, that's actually crazy. And I feel like I'm experiencing that in my own home life right now. And it's very sad. What do you mean? If I you just care, you don't have to share. I just want my like Spanish ancestry to be as respected as the fact that I'm an American. And I can understand the like pride that my parents have for being Americans but to not acknowledge that we're only like I'm a fourth generation so I've been here but four generations compared to the hundreds of generations before us is extremely new so why am I so far removed from what my ancestors were only doing three generations ago and so like I get really frustrated sometimes when my families choose to use like these American ways because like the way that we celebrate American death is absolute trash compared to Dia de los Muertos and like the ways that my ancestors would be celebrating death like I would much rather have my ancestors around controlling the way that our funerals are going than like the way that my funerals have to go now because whoever's in control of our house isn't choosing to celebrate like all of who we are we're just celebrating we're Americans and it's very frustrating because it's like not true to who I am at all American being American is like erasing your name Yes. In, in your culture. If, I, if you choose your American identity, yes. you erase your past. So when I was a kid, at before I got to public school, I left Catholic school in fourth grade. I went by, I like repped that I was Mexican. I was like one of the only Mexican girls in my grade. I don't think there was anyone else that was Mexican. And I would rep it so hard because like my brothers repped it when they were in high school. Do your brothers look more Mexican? My one brother looks Mexican. My oldest brother doesn't look Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother who looks Mexican ha- got the Mexican flag tattooed on his body. Like we listened. Like I just was proud to be a Mexican because I could tell that it like set me apart from other people. Mm-hmm. Like so I tapped into that a lot. And 
I just remember like I don't know I just remember like having such pride for that and then as it continued on and like as I got older and this faded away of like having this pride because I was like not looking like Mexican families um, mm -hmm. that I let that culture get away from me quite a bit did you um, ever feel like people were more like not even uh, like outwardly discriminatory towards that side mm -hmm. but like but like oh I, I don't know what that is I don't I don't <clears throat> feel like I care like so whatever Adriana like no I actually had a lot of people teach me um derogatory terms for Mexican people that I didn't know about so they t were telling me they were calling me like I learned what a cholo was and so then I learned that I should call myself a chola so like it started with that and like like because it was like uh, this song called ride like a cholo and but I was a kid so I like didn't know but I assume it was just their parents that was telling them these things so like I would say I'm Mexican and then be like oh you're a cholo and then it became to like way more derogatory and I remember I came home and I said it to my mom once and like she like I just saw her face like sink wow yeah and like I look like this like I'm white girl so like I'm fair yeah you wouldn't guess that you are I get Greek totally Mexican. I have Greek people think sense. I'm Greek I have people think Italian. I've gotten like people thinking I'm like um uh, it doesn't matter. I've gotten everything. Yeah. I'm Mexican and Spanish. And like, American. I literally asked if you're Irish. Yeah. My aunt. I'm sure my dad's side mm -hmm. has Irish. But anyways, I was saying that it erases marriage as a death for women. I used to go by Adriana Garcia, which is my mom's maiden name. So I made all my social media accounts Adriana Garcia because I preferred to hear my name. Wow. Adriana Kathleen Garcia rather than Adriana Kathleen Henry because it was just like just wasn't identifying with it and I think because I was so proud of my mom that I like wanted to rep her mm -hmm. and I see that now like as an adult I keep putting my first and middle name and not my last name and my mom said that she doesn't sign her last name sometimes when she's addressing people in her business because they look at my mom less than when they realize that she's my dad's wife running the business oh rather than just her own self. Oh yeah. Which is crazy. Yep. Um, and so gross. But my mom is a business owner too and she kept her last name. And like she told me a story once of like she went to like an award ceremony where they were gonna announce her name and they introduced her as like Dr. Oh, it was just like, it was like Dr. Lynn Matson, or they said like, they did not say her name, like the way that it was said. I don't know if they said like introducing like Mr. and Mrs. like Mark Matson at this ceremony. And it was probably like in the 90s or something. And she's probably gonna immediately text me after hearing this and correct me. But basically, like the struggle of like, trying to own who you are and claim your rightful name as a woman when you are running things mm -hmm. like has been a serious struggle and people just like blatantly ignoring like your actual name is such a slap in the face it's so slap in the face i literally experienced it last night like not in the worst way but I wrote this cover letter and in the cover letter I referenced that my great-grandmother was like a well-respected chef in Catalonia where she's from 
And then she came to America to build her restaurant and she ended up meeting my, you know, great grandpa. They had like 20 kids and she didn't do a restaurant. But I wrote about that and someone in my family read it and they're like, who in your family, who in our family has this? And I'm like, okay, this is so problematic that like, you don't even know (laughs) that this is like in our bloodline and you're trying to like, it was a man that was saying it and he was basically trying to like diss the fact that this happened in my bloodline. Wow. How weird is that? It's super weird so annoying i'm I'm afraid like i'm done venting on here no i mean i feel you like my my one like my mom's side of the family where the last name is batalden is norwegian and my grandparents had six daughters whoa so being norwegian we still have family over there and like batalden island is a thing but I'm never going to be able to claim that last name. And it's not like we own Bethalden Island anymore. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, they sold it. But we still have, like, a book on top of, like, the mountain that you climb on Bethalden Island where you sign it. And, like, it's, like, the closest tie that I have to another country where I can, like, get rid of my American identity of, you know, this mix of random things and, like, claim something. But I can't because it is my mom's last name and no one from that side of the family will carry that on any further because it's six daughters so my mom still reps her last name but um it's just a weird thing strange how things die how names die how do you want to be remembered after you die Like, what do you want on your grave to say? Do you want, like, a recipe? Like, that's kind of viral right now. It's like, they're like, oh, grave recipes. That's funny. Well, I hope that I've built enough businesses that my recipes are just being continued to be made every single day. Mm -hmm. So not a recipe. I think I would just, like, want a photo of me and, like, my family. Yeah. And that probably be good for me. But like a good, like uh like just like the biggest family photo that I could get. Like for as big as my family is at the time of my death. I want mm-hmm. that represented, I think. Like that's how I would want people to remember as me is like, oh she built such a big family or she had such a big family. It's so evolutionary, like this is you come onto this earth and you're supposed to create life and that's a very christian idea but it's also a very animal idea it's such a mammal thing dude and i just like want to make babies to yeah. love and care for and yeah like... and that's not everybody but like if you are following like this biological calling you need to create something that lives on facts And maybe it's not a baby, but you need to leave a legacy behind you. Maybe you have students. Totally. You know. Teachers can be so life-altering. Yeah, I mean, if you're an artist that doesn't want to have babies, like, your creations are your babies, and they will inspire people, and they will live on, and they will create a whole new legacy of grandchildren of art. You know? I'm gonna jump in. I can't hot take. You cannot, I can't compare... Although I believe that there's energy in everything, Mm -hmm. going back to the conversation that there's energy in our lamp and there's energy in our pencils, 
the process of like bringing new life like reproducing new physical life that has the ability to then go and create more life like your art piece mm, okay i can see how your art piece could create have someone create another art piece that's appropriation that's how art all art is made of course i guess i'm just like thinking of the value then like i just don't value art the same as i value reproducing human life because like what about music like could you live without music could you live without art well i could live without the music that we know today because i can make music with my mouth but what if you couldn't like then we wouldn't be humans and we wouldn't be having this conversation well you might be mute if I'm mute, then <laughs> I guess I'm like these dead ends. I'm on vibrational, like, and I'm feeling, you know, I'm putting my hands on the piano. Okay, fair, fair enough. That and but uh, that is like part of being human too. It's like we have all these things that we can't live without, and that are just like that make us human. Yeah. And I feel like those things that that make us that make humanity mm-hmm. the word people love to describe the good side of things for mm-hmm. some reason even though humanity humanity is like an all-encompassing term yeah you know like humans do terrible things they do good things they do everything in between in their daily monotonous lives fucks so anyways like these things that make us human like being able to create music and create art it's it's really comes down to the word creation. Totally, having the ability to create. And but reproduce and create are different. No? Reproduce and create are different in a way. I mean, one has a soul. <laughs> creation seems to me to have a soul that you can celebrate and that and that is like truthfully yours like your take and reproduction is simply just a copy machine so you could simply reproduce which is like what people think women are for is for reproduction or you can lift people up and say no you create and and that is such a more like beautiful way of saying like you are a divine being. And I don't think that's limited to humanity. I think that is... I think that is all Casper's things. created an art project before. Yes! He has. Do you think there needs to be a death for creation? To happen? Like... Obviously, they're not, like, literally, but, like, with the idea of death and rebirth. Okay. Well, I I think, I just, now I think of death as a fertilizer. Does that make any sense? Um, to think of death as a fertilizer for yeah everything that's gonna come like you don't need fertilizer to like grow things but when something dies it almost like brings like this new era and this new spirit and it just kind of like 
you know, ruffles things up a little bit and fertilizes the earth. You know, you have to like till the soil and you gotta make it fertile again. And then a ton of new things are able to grow from that. Like, I feel like death is like how you totally, like you, death is not all bad because you can use it as a tool to really uplift your community, which is what like Dia de los Muertos is. Or uplift yourself. Yeah. Have I known, we've known each other for like two years now. Mm-hmm. Has anyone died in your life since I've known you? Luckily, no. Oh, um, my cat, Luna. My black cat, Luna. Is she named after Love Good? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, her brother is Bear, and they are, they're brother and sister. And Luna had diabetes before... We knew she had diabetes, and once we found out, it was pretty much too late. And I wasn't there for it, but my younger sibling was. And yeah, my other black cat died without me, but my younger sibling was there too. So I'm not salty about it. No, not at all. Mom and dad. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I actually thought Luna was really annoying. Truth comes out. <laughs> but I figured out she was annoying because she was sick and she was trying to tell me something all the time. Aww. And so I, I felt really guilty about that for a long time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so Luna's in the backyard along with Buzzard, the other black cat from when I was really young. And the bird, Sunny, that I hated. That bird, I needed that bird to die for me to live again. To die. (laughs) That bird killed all my other birds. How? By attack? Directly and indirectly. Very cool. Well, not by attack, actually, but by stress and also by, well, you know, like when you hog all the food and you don't let another bird eat eat your food, that bird's gonna die of starvation. So one bird died of starvation, one bird died of constipation from stress, another bird flew out the window. And that was more, like, mysterious, because it's like, why did he fly away? And that was, like, the first one, you know, that left. Yo. The second one had constipation, the second one died of starvation, or the third one died of starvation, and it was like, now it is clear the message that you're trying to send, Sonny. Yo, I wish you had a camera on your broom or wherever this was going down, because this is hilarious. I I hope that we can make a money out of like a movie out of this, because this this was like I was about to call you Stuart Little, and I was like, no, she's not Stuart Little. Like this isn't Stuart Little. This is better. Like and like this cat versus dog movie that they're like spy animals. Cat versus dogs. You've never seen that movie. Yes. Okay, that's what your house is giving me, and you were just like the the little punk blonde girl that ran around, like orchestrating this chaos. Well, the thing is, is that I have definitely controlled the forces of life and death since I was a baby. So, I believe that. I believe that. I have not. You don't. You haven't. No. I've always been somebody that has felt like. The rhythms are on my side. And they're listening to me and my anger and my happiness. I didn't feel that way until like probably four years ago. Honestly, probably when I got confirmed in Christ was the first time. I was super weird as a child. I, I mean, was weird as a child. Don't I believed in wrong. God. I believed in fairies. Mm-hmm. I, I would like walk around and 
I would pray I I was a fairy. on my own. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, like, I thought I was a fairy for a long time, but now I'm, like, from colleagues and teacher, one teacher. One teacher in One percent. teacher in particular thinks I'm a witch, and I'm, I've been like, I don't know if I'm a witch. Well, you... But the thing is, is that all the signs do point to me being a witch. I'm just gonna say this. My friend Olivia, you like, said that she had witch in her bloodline and when i met you i hadn't been friends with olivia for a while but the first person i thought of when i met you was olivia oh my god they call me the golden witch they do i've had um a couple occasions of that and it's really strange how i've been named that by really random people in my life but anyways some woman told me i had angels behind or angel wings on me the other day so the fact that you said that I've confronted my demons and I'm a, I have my wings now. It's full circle for me and I feel good about it. You didn't listen to my episode on synchronicity, right? Did you? That's your first episode. I talk about quantum physics and animals. I maybe had been under the influence at the time. Well, the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> that episode would be kind of confusing. <laughs> If so, I remember listening to it when I was on my couch laying, and I was like, I feel like I'm in therapy. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, but like a weird group therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you have entered my witch realm, is what you did. Um, oh, the synchronicity episode in quantum physics is that like things happen to you for a reason, and these like messages, these signs from the earth, yes, will. Um, happen to you and they will happen to you repeatedly oftentimes like it might happen over a span like you are reading a novel and you notice the thing in chapter one is similar to the thing in chapter 19 and they could directly tie together in the end yeah or it's like chapter three and four are filled with all of these signs that eventually lead to what happens in chapter five and um it all makes the whole book in the end but the idea is that I said the wings thing, somebody else said the wings thing, several people have told me the witch thing. With that episode, it was rabbits for me. Bunnies kept coming in threes. Yeah, I remember this. And they will forever come in threes because it keeps happening. But um, the idea behind synchronicity, which is that's what the term is to describe that phenomenon, is um, quantum entanglement theory. So when you think of energy and things like influence each other in like another realm that we don't understand that you know sound is an invisible energy that can impact Mm -hmm. how you move Mm -hmm. that is a literal scientific representation of synchronicity of your body matching up with a different energy the different type of wave um because there are a lot of different types of waveforms. See, there's light, there's sound, there's all kinds of things, and I can only think of those two things because I've been drinking this martini. But then, no, that was but that was great. So yeah, right so sound. everything is connected. Yeah, and you can very easily connect to things that you don't see, such as oh, rhythms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you can also connect to people in a good conversation. Your brain waves that come through on an electroencephalogram, which is what I studied in undergrad, can eventually mirror each other if you're having a very in-sync conversation. You might end up saying the same thing at the same time. And it's like, whoa! Mm -hmm. But it's like very real. Mm -hmm. It's very, that is a, a real tangible thing that we can measure and that we can study. 
But when it comes to like the far out things like this lady telling you that you have angel wings or me telling you this today, and it seems significant to you, that's very hard to prove. But the thing about quantum entanglement is that we know for a fact that everything is connected and like it creates like one big like knitting pattern where like all these strands keep like intertwining with each other and all these instances like actually physically connect and like follow these points and it's like if you put string all over a bulletin board and eventually it just becomes like a cube of string that is like the world because everything is connected and you know that might explain why everybody is seeing you the same way and we don't really get that because it is a mental representation and that is so strange and witchy and not tangible but it could be explained by the simple fact that like everything happens for a reason and if things make sense they make sense and you are now an angel might have been a terribly unscientific way of explaining quantum physics but do you feel like that's it i feel like that's it i think so too i feel like sophia's way smarter than me I don't know, but... She said one word about two minutes ago that she said the word, and she said, I studied that in school, and I was like... <laughs> Electroencephalogram? <laughs> EEG. It's just looking at brainwaves is all it is. I do know what an EEG is, actually. I don't know, did I get the scan before? Probably, with concussion testing, that's why I know it. Or my two semesters of psychology studies, I don't know. Yeah. But the way that you just said it flew off her tongue. I think. I don't Everybody know Everybody has their strengths. Everyone has their strengths. And I am not very good at things like... I think I have a strange synchronicity with balls. And, like, ever since I was little, like, balls have, like, flown out of the air. And, like, or frisbees, too, hit me. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it happens all the time. Oh, that makes me, like... So sad. <laughs> if you thought I was Luna Lovegood then, you know that you really think it now. Yeah. So that's good. I think maybe we should end like, what is something worse than death? From Kurt Vonnegut, what would you define like? Oh, my what gosh. is a fate worse than death? A heartbreak with someone that you like believe is. Dude, no, heartbreak off of any soul tie, I believe, is worth than worse than death. How about you? I feel like it is a fate worse than death is like being caught in most like with the most bland people in the most bland setting with like a strange ticking or humming for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that would be a fate oh worse than death. Oh my gosh. I could imagine the places that I worked at. That... Yeah, a hospital. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Coles. Coles, you know, literally. <laughs> Corporate lifestyles. America things. They would have just been death. Yeah, so... That's good. Tell luckily, us. I want to know what other people's are. That was a great question. I, please tell us. Please tell us. What is a fate worse than death? Luckily, you will die someday. Lucky you. Lucky you. And Lucky people us. will celebrate unless you write them reasons why they should be haunted. 
Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You are in power. Yeah, I hope I hope you feel the power. Feel the power. Feel the ease to talk about this with someone. Yes. Pour yourself a drink and talk about it with a friend. Absolutely, because it really helps, yeah, I think. Yeah, it does. It actually does. Yeah, I feel I, better now. I feel better now, too. It's just kind of like, let's just plan for what might happen. Yeah. So it's at least done in the way that we want it to be done. Awesome. You guys follow um, Adriana on social. Only if you can find me. Only if you can find her. Otherwise, (laughs) you know what? I like that. We we used her true story today, so good luck. Uh Um, Other than that, um, just like pray for her. Patreon.com slash T-E-L-Y-N-T-A-L-E-S. And you can buy us a martini. If you want an episode with us again, let me know. Please email me at talintales at gmail.com. Oh my goodness. Mwah. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs>